Hello and welcome back to Veteran State of Mind. My name is Garen Jones. I am your host. Um, and I'm also the guest. And I'm also the sponsor. But um, let's get back onto that in a minute. What I was going to say is, uh, I was just driving down here. Um, I'm up in North Wales, where I reside. I'm in with Peter at Audio Cafe in Coedpoeth, which means hot trees, if anyone is um, interested. Anyway, I was driving down and I was going through a bit of a woods. And I looked into... Looked in the woods, I was driving, it was just carpet of bluebells and stuff, and the sun's out today, and I just thought, fucking hell, I've got a pretty good life, really happy. So, just wanted to say thank you to all of you who are contributing towards that life of bliss. Um, podcast going really well, I'm really happy about it, really happy that you're happy about it, and that makes me happy. So, let's just get in a big circle, touch each other, and um, all be happy together. Um, okay, something else I wanted to tell you as well, which is, um, again, something I'm really happy about. Um, haven't hashed out all the details and stuff yet, but we have been, um, or we have been, I have been, um, down to London recently to talk to a couple of fine upstanding members from the Royal British Legion. And we're trying to work out some ways of bringing you, um, basically figuring out they do a lot of fantastic work and we want, they want, I want. Um, to make that as available as possible to people, to let people know what exactly is going down. And I've definitely been guilty of thinking of the Legion in the past as just somewhere I go for a drink after um, Remembrance Sunday um, or buying poppies, but there's a lot more to it than that. Um, I'm going to have some cool guests from from um, from them soon. They've put me in, in touch with a lot of cool, very inspirational people. So I'm fucking stoked about that, um, and I hope that you guys will be too. Now for some marketing. This book, if you're watching on the video behind me, is the first time that I have shown on video a copy of Brothers in Arms, which is the, the book I wrote about my time in Afghanistan um, and about my time after Afghanistan, which in a lot of ways, some of the people have told me, is the more interesting part um, because I think a lot of people know about, there's a you know, stuff's been written before about about war and what goes on on tour. Um not so much, I don't think, has been written about what's come back in, um, I like to think, this level of honesty. Um, I've probably been honest to a fault in there, which is um, why I'm now absolutely shitting myself about the book coming out in a couple of weeks, but there's no way of stopping it now, so there we go. Too late for regrets on that one. Um, something that we're going to talk about today on the podcast. Today on the podcast, um, I am in on my own. The reason why nobody else will come on the podcast anymore. <laughs> no, that's not right. I just decided a lot of people have been asking me when I've opened up for Q&As, um, be that through the podcast or on uh, Tinterwebs, people have been asking me questions about um, writing. And I haven't really wanted to dive into them just like kind of like, you know, one one answer here, one answer there, and they all get lost. So I thought what I would do is get all these writing questions together, super set, super set a bunch of um writing questions. So today is going to be a very writing-oriented podcast. Stick around, though, because it's still got military stuff in there. So if that's all you're interested in, if that's the only thing that flicks your bean, still something worth sticking around for. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I think is very... It's something I want to get across to people. Why? Because writing has helped me massively um, after the military. Uh, um, it's really helped me get a lot of stuff straight in my head. Um, it's helped me, I think with my PTSD, um, I, I don't know if I want to say more than anything else because therapy was very helpful too, but it's certainly been a huge help, um, to me. And I know speaking to other people that it has been too. Um, 
And, you know, like I said, this book, Brothers in Arms, is a product of that. But it's not just... I don't want people to, to think that writing means if you write, that means you have to go on and try and get a publishing deal and you have to... Um, put a book out there and you have to put all your stuff on there. Like I said, I'll be the first one to admit that I'm absolutely having little poopy pants about putting everything out in the world. But I do think that writing can be so much more, um, it's so much more than that. It's not about just putting a publishing deal and getting a book on the shelf. If you want to do that, great, I'm here to help you. But I also want to highly recommend just writing on a daily basis as a way of your own therapy. Um, I've talked on here before about, or I'm a big fan of uh, meditation. I've talked that I'm a big fan of exercise, getting out in the outdoors, making some curls for the girls. I'm a fan of all that kind of stuff, right? And writing has its place in that. Even if it's just writing down a few little thoughts a day about what you're grateful for, what your plans are, all that kind of stuff. But without further ado, let's get into the questions submitted from your fine, upstanding, gorgeous, beautiful selves. And the first question is, is writing something you've always been interested in or did it start after the army? Excellent question, whoever sent that in, because I haven't written any of your names down. So there's full anonymity in this podcast. Um, unlike the... Um, actually, no, I'm not going to go down that route. Okay, anyway. So, um, yeah, it is something I've always been interested in. Um, apparently, I wrote Jurassic Park 2 after the first one came out. Um, and I was never given credit for it. But we've still got, we've still got the book somewhere. I wrote Jurassic Park 2. And um, I think I don't know how old I was. I think Jurassic Park came out, what, like 1990 or something? So I was like seven years old. But when the second one came out, it was almost exactly word for word what I'd written. Plus I drew pictures of the dinosaurs. So um, Steven Spielberg, if you're listening, I don't even want any money off you. Just um, make a movie of mine and uh, we'll all be good on that one. Um, all right, next question. Where do you find a peaceful place to do your writing? Well, actually, you don't always find a peaceful place to do your writing. And I think this is something... Um, something that you should maybe get out of your head because one of the things that people do with writing is procrastinate, procrastinate, not procreate, for all you infantry are listening out there who are thinking with your penises, oh, or vaginas now. You can think with vagina if you're in infantry too. So whatever sexual organs you're thinking with, you can um, get out of your head the idea that you have to be somewhere peaceful to write because the thing is, that will give you the perfect excuse to not do it because you're like, oh, well, I was going to write today, but then I could hear, you know, the, I could hear the TV in the background. Oh, I was going to write today, but then I could hear, I don't know, the sound of a Viking horde coming over the horizon. Whatever your reason, fucking get rid of it. You're not always going to write somewhere peaceful. First place I started writing was when I was um, working um, on maritime security on the ships. And, you know, quite often you've got the noise of the engines, you've got the noise of the big fucking waves, you've got the ship swing it all over the place if it was monsoon season you've got people coming and knock on your door ask for this or that don't expect some writing and this is something to be fair that i think the army's done done uh done, done me a service at because when you're in the army you don't always get a lot of peace so you have to get used to doing whatever you're doing um under pressure or at least in some noisy environments well with a helicopter penis being windmilled in your face jones or six you know if you're listening so um yeah so is it is it preferable to have somewhere peaceful? Absolutely. But just fucking sit down and write. Stick some fucking headphones on. Get some noise cancellers. Just play some white noise in your ears. All right, next question. I'm writing a book. How do I get it published? Um, this might shock some people, but the answer is, first you write the book. So I get a lot of questions from people. So I'm not having to dig here because it's a common question. But people don't... You know, like, 
it's good to visualize anything in life that you're going to do. So if you want to run a marathon, you should definitely visualize yourself crossing that finish line, right? However, the first things you need to do, right, when it comes to writing a book, it's like, think of it like this, like, let's, let's relate this to the military, right? You don't, you don't pick up a rifle and go straight into a contact with the enemy, do you? You go through training, you go through your repetitions, you go to your ranges, you do your, you, you, so you do your dry drills, you go to the ranges, you do blank, you do blank fire exercises, you do live fire exercises, you do them again and again and again. Like, think how pre, you know, pre-deployment training is longer than your tour. You've got to think about writing in the same way. So, I always say to people, like, don't even, when you, if you're, if you're, writing a book is the first thing you've ever done, I would actually discourage that as well. I would say by, I mean, if you feel like you really have to get it off your chest, then great, do it, because that'll probably be really good writing, or really good reading. But, if you, are, um, think about it right, do you want the first time that you, like, the first time, imagine, remember how shit you were the first time you went down the range, um, in Sunnybridge, right? First time you did a live fire section attack, you're probably... You're probably a steaming pile of crow dog shit, weren't you? Um, that's the same with writing. You're not going to be fucking brilliant off the bat. So get your reps in. Practice. Write some short stories. Write some, just write some fucking, like a, write a little story that lasts a page. Practice, practice, practice. Now, then when you do come to writing the book, first of all, get the book written, right? Because that's, people are going to want to see the book. No one's going to give you a publishing deal off a half-finished book, right? Um, and then how do you get published? Well, basically... You start looking up uh, agents. You start looking up um, publishers that fit your, um, you know. You look, so look up. You look up agents online. Find ones that have published things that you think are similar to what you're doing. That can work in your favor or against because maybe they just don't want any more people on their books that do that kind of stuff. You know. But look, you're just gonna have to fucking knock on doors and kiss babies and get in touch with people. The internet is a fantastic tool. Um, you know, you can um, you can get in contact with with people very easily now through the internet. You just got to put your reps in on Google as well, you know, and start start hitting people up. But what I can definitely say is what not to do, and what not to do is send it to people before it's ready, because if you do that, you're blowing your chance of a first impression. Make sure that it's fucking good, and that doesn't mean that you get signed off by your cat or your mum. You get signed off by somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. And that doesn't have to be a writer or an agent or anything like that. That could be your friend that's right. So, like, assuming you're writing a war memoir, if one, you know one of your mates has read 100 war memoirs, he might be a good person to get it read by. And make sure that you ask him to give you a proper fucking debrief on it, not like a, yeah, it's awesome, mate. And then he walks around the corner and goes, fucking hell. Like, you want to have a, a proper, a, you know, give it to someone that you trust to give you honest feedback. Um... I'm gonna do. I'll do some more about this. This one because this. I'll, I'll put some stuff on this about social media because it, uh, on social media because it is a, a quite an in depth in depth thing. Maybe I'll write a post on it or something. But um, but yeah, look, I just wanted to get across the message of write the book, then worry about getting published. Right. Next thing. What's the best thing about being an author? Many things. Um, I get sent a lot of used panties in the uh, in the mail. That's always welcome. Not really. Um, no, it's, uh, what is the best thing about it? Best thing about it is being able to set your own schedule and work for yourself and be able to be creative and also meet some cool people. Um, I like the independence of it, which sounds weird coming from someone that was in the military where you basically have zero independence. Um, I like I like that it gives me, a, I can look at a variety of different things. I, I need, um, I feel like I need a lot of different stimulus in my life. 
which will account for some of the things that goes on in Brothers in Arms because stimulus is one of those things that if I don't have in my life, I will go looking for it from not too reputable sources. Not said on that. Um, so I need I need to be constantly challenged by stuff and I need to be constantly learning new things. And that is the best thing about being an author is I get to do all that stuff. And I also like the fact that if I'm not successful, it's not anybody else's fault but my own. So when I do hang myself, it's going to be <laughs> just on my fault and my suicide note will be nice and short. Um, yeah, no, being an author is fucking dope. I love it. Like I said, I'm very lucky, very happy at the moment. Right, wait there, we'll have some more energy drink. Okay. Do do do. Do you want? Do you write to a schedule or let it flow? Do you make a habit of daily? Oh, sorry. Do you make a habit of writing daily? Um. Right. Yes, and no is the answer to this one. I am afraid. Um, as um the big dog Jocko Willing says, it's a dichotomy. Um, I feel like if you're too rigid on things, then you stifle your creativity. But if you don't have discipline, then you won't get around to writing because you'll find something else to do. Like look at fucking. Mexican donkey porn or, you know, anything else that's a valuable use of time until you start writing, in which case you do need to be disciplined. So um, what does my schedule look like? At, uh, the answer to that is it changes. So I'm trying to, I'm changing different things. Like I don't think that I have this fucking writing thing locked down. Um, I'm very happy with what I've written so far, but I think I can do a lot better. So I'm still looking for the perfect schedule. I can tell you through what I'm doing at the moment, which is uh, trying to get up at about six o'clock in the morning um going straight into a couple of hours at the laptop um and i'll make an exception to that like i like to have fluidity so if i'm waking up about six and i can see there's an absolutely epic sunset uh, sunrise is about to happen then i'm not going to sit at the, the um desk i'm going to go for a walk and then maybe i'll just mull over some of the ideas which is like i did this morning um went out first thing so about quarter past five went out for a walk and um you know watch the sunrise boom got hit by a fucking awesome idea um, and I've started, I've spent the rest of the day working on that. So, you know, when I, when I write, I do set myself, when I get into, cause I don't write every day. I should make that, I should make that clear. I don't write every day. Personally, I don't believe that you need to write every day. Um, but I do think you need to think every day and I think you need to learn every day with my thing. Um, when it comes to writing, when I am in, in the midst of doing a book, especially if I'm ghostwriting for somebody else, like when I'm ghostwriting for someone else, it's less about art for me and more about this person has paid me to do a fucking job. So I got to turn up for work as the same as anyone else would. So that doesn't mean you get to go, oh, I'm not feeling it today and I'm an artist, so I'm just going to let it go. No, fuck face. You're getting paid. You get a fucking desk. I'm right. And I set myself a minimum of 2,000 words a day, which doesn't take me that long to do. So if it is shit, it's shit, and I'll come back and I'll redo it. But I'm doing something, you know, because otherwise it'd be easy to go, oh, stubbed my toe on the way out the shower earlier. Don't feel like I can write today. Um... I've said it once and I've said it before. I don't understand how people only write um, one book a year if it's their full-time job. Maybe they go over it millions and millions and millions of times, which case it's understandable. But, you know, it takes that. It takes, it. I don't know, probably going to piss some people off here, but whatever. I just think, I think, I, I'm generalizing, right? So there's exceptions to this rule, obviously. So if you're one of those people that like to put an asterisk next to stuff, that consider that your asterisk. But I do think that there are people out there who are writing who are guilty of using this thing of 
of, oh, it takes so long to do my art and I must be so special to do it and I must have exactly the things that I need in place every day or I can't do it and, oh, every word needs to be poured over for hours. Oh, Right, there's definitely some of that around. Not into that. It is your fucking job at the end of the day. People are waiting for your books. People are paying for your books. So, yes, you are an artist, but at the same time, you're a fucking professional. So, you know, you don't get to go... Um, you know, if you're, if you're a personal trainer, you know, you, you might not be feeling your fittest the most inspired one day, but you still have to turn up for fucking work, right? And it's the same as a writer. Anyway, I'm starting to go off on a little rant here, which is the first time that's ever happened on Veterans State of Mind. Um, all right. Do you feel that having not studied in an academic institution, you've been able to maintain a more unique and authentic voice? Um, well, to tie that into what I was just saying, I think I have benefited from the fact that I don't think that I've bought into this whole thing about how it should take you years and years to write a book. Like whenever I go on Twitter and I see somebody complaining about writing, I think, fuck you, you massive cunt. Like, don't, like, getting to write is an absolute privilege, right? So when it's like, oh, I say a meme and it's like, writing is like open heart surgery, except in open heart surgery, they put your heart back in. Fuck off. Fuck off with your fucking crocodile tears, you cunt. We know what you're doing is sitting at home, stuffing your face full of... Actually, no, stop. Stop, guess. Stop. I've been told that I need to be less angry, so I'm being less angry. <sighs> right, more energy drink. One second, that'll sort this out. Mm. Right. Yeah, so I think that's helped because, like like we are saying, the army background is like, oh, no, Sergeant, I'm not really feeling like doing this today. Uh, it'll be like, oh, is that right, Joe Crow? Bang! Smash! In the fucking grid. So, um... Yeah, I think I think it, it helped having that. As far as unique and authentic voice goes, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I've never studied. I mean, I've done English GCSE, um, I, and then I think I did it A less. Did I do it A level? I don't know. That shows how little attention I paid to it. Um, I didn't do it at uni. I have ne- I've not done creative writing courses or any of that stuff. But what I have done is I've read a lot of books, and I've read a lot of books by people that I like, uh, people like George MacDonald Fraser. Um, check him out if you haven't. Bernard Cornwell is one of my favourites. Um, and I think just by reading a lot of those guys, I've taken out from what I like from them, but I've never broken it down. Like the way that they make you break things down in English in school is like, what do you think the writer meant when he used this word? Well, having been a writer and used words, maybe I was thinking that's what the fucking uh, word offered me as a, an alternative to my spelling mistake. That could be it, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that's how I wrote my books. But this whole thing of pouring over every fucking word, it's bollocks. It's not how a book's supposed to be read, all right? Um, you know, it's, it's supposed to be about the whole rather than this word-by-word word thing, right? So, yeah, not not breaking them down like that, I think I've been able to see it. I've been, I think I'd like to think I've been able to keep my passion for writing rather than to see it as a job that's like a, you know, like a, that's like a set of mechanics, uh, like a way a mechanic would look at an engine break it down you know i like to see the beauty in the car rather than like this is how the engine breaks down Hmm. next question do you have plans to do another roman book and continue with felix's story so for those of you who don't know felix is the main character in my uh, series of roman books which excuse me book which began with um blood forest which came out in 2017 and then 2018 we had siege thank you to everyone who supported those books um really enjoyed writing them and i have written a third one however i haven't decided what to do with it yet 
um, I'm considering self-publishing a book because um, as much as I love working with publishers, I also just think that you should try new things. And um, I might self-publish that one, but rest assured, the third one has been written. It exists. Uh, I wrote it last year, actually. It was written over a year ago. Um, and yeah, I might self-publish it. I definitely want to put it out into the world this year, either if that's going to be with a publisher or if it's going to be self-published. But you will be seeing it within the next 12 months. That's for sure. Uh, okay. Are your characters based on people that you know? Well, in Brothers in Arms, I changed the name of people for legal reasons um, because I was advised to. Not because I don't like people. I would like to use the real names. But, you know, unfortunately, the world that we live in is people sue people and it only takes one fucking idiot to do that. And then I've got to pull the whole book. So um, people based on characters. Yes. in that. So in Brothers in Arms, there's a couple of characters here and there which I've rolled into one because um, I can't. It's just gets too there's a hundred and something people in a company and it just gets too complicated so a couple of people i rolled into one so that i couldn't because otherwise it would have meant cutting one of them so i'd rather have i'd rather have their stories in there and you know they'll know who they are um as far as the roman stuff goes uh, and the crime and things that i do definitely in the roman book so in blood forest and siege there's characters that, um there's one character in there who um you know we've had alex jones on this podcast not the alex jones of infowars uh alex jones of swansea and, um, yeah, he, he heavily influenced one of the characters. There's a couple of other guys who have to, I won't say who, because not, it's not always positive. But um, I'll come back onto this later. But, yes, definitely 100% characters based on people that I know. Um, what is your favorite word? Can't. Moving on. Does your writing style change between the types of books that you've done, i.e. partnering with someone in fiction? Absolutely 100% it does. Um, so when you're ghostwriting for somebody, the thing about ghostwriting is... So ghostwriting means you're writing the book of somebody else's story, all right? So it's a collaborative effort. It's their story. They have to give you the details and, and you you put it into a narrative form that people can sit down and read. So if I'm writing somebody's story, it's not for me to write it as I'd say it because it's not my story, it's their story. So 100% I change my voice. Um, if I'm writing fiction, you know, I've written a couple of books with James Patterson. Um, I write in James Patterson's style with him because they're James Patterson's books, you know, it's, they're not realistically mine and his, it's their, you know, he's the big dog, he is the biggest of the big dogs, so they're written in his voice, um, and, you know, and actually I find that quite fun, because it's, it's good to change up your voice, because again, like, this is a profession, you know, you should be able to write in other people's voices if you, if you take things professionally, you shouldn't be, one, you shouldn't have the ego of, um, well, this is my, this is my fantastically artistic voice, and I deserve to be heard in this way or other. No, you don't. You're getting paid. Do your job. Write it in the fucking voice that you're supposed to write it in. All right. Oh, hang on. Head butt in the mic. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So that's one thing. Um, that's one reason you change the voice, and also it's just change. It's fun to change your voice. Like, it's fun to change your voice. It's fun. So if I'm, I've got a uh, crime thriller that I've written, which I'm looking to put out again later this year um this is written in a different voice to the crime that i wrote with uh, james patterson and it's different to the voice in brothers in arms so brothers in arms i mean the voice changes throughout the book as well because some of the chapters are written in 2014 some of the chapters were written in 2018 your voice changes over time dependent on the situations that you've been through it, it changes are you in a good place for your ptsd or do you feel like you've do you feel like you're on top of it? Do you feel like you're kicking ass in the world? Are you going through a breakup? You know, are your fucking pubes a bit long? Who, go, who fucking knows? There's all these different these different reasons in your life that can cause your voice to change. And 
you got to roll with it, really. I don't think... Um, I, I don't like the idea of saying, oh, well, this is my voice and now forever I must stick to it. That's if Some people want to do that, fine. But personally, I want to roll with the punches. All right, next. Did you get negative feedback from your fellow service members for writing Brothers in Arms? Well, I haven't yet, but that doesn't mean anything because it hasn't come out. Um, interesting, quite interesting question, though. I have got to say that um, the lads that I served with have always been fantastically supportive of me to which i am very very fucking grateful um there will be some people in the company when this book comes out who are not happy with how they're portrayed and i totally understand that some people are going to say that i'm trying to make myself look better than i was that could be the case subconsciously i might have had a totally different impression of what i was like compared to everyone else i can only write it as i saw it right um i kept journals in afghanistan and I used those to um, to write the book. So how I f- how, how things are described in the book is how I felt on the day in Afghanistan. Doesn't mean that's how that's how I feel now. Um, but yeah, some people I'm sure there will be a couple people who won't be happy with it. Um, I think uh, the lads that I've shown it to were all happy with it. Very supportive, like I said. Um, and to be honest, in general, with the wider veteran community you know there's only been one or two instances where i've had i would say negative experiences online with people who have been unsupportive and i've you know i think i talked over this before with with uh, somebody i forget who it was um and it basically just comes down to i think bitterness they're not happy with their lives they're not happy with what's going on after the military for them and so when they see somebody that is trying to do stuff and is trying to enjoy themselves and is trying to make a difference it's you know it's easier to tear people down than it is to build them up and when I look at lads who are, or, and ladies who are doing well in life, they're always very supportive. And the people that tear you down are the ones who are maybe dealing with some of their own issues. So if someone does, I try not to hate on them back because um, they might be going through a really tough tough time. You know, they might be struggling. And, um, you know, I don't feel that they're dealing with their energy in the best way that they could do. But at the same time, I'm not going to judge them for it and I wish them the best. Love your haters. So next. How did you deal with potential legal issues? Right, so Brothers in Arms, I think this is referring to, which is obviously, I mean, I'm sure potential legal issues, it's a couple of different uh, couple, of, a couple of different facets to this. So one facet is the, um, is the thing of, I guess, the whole Soldier F and historic prosecutions. I guess that's one legal issue of it, because if you write in there, we did the whole fucking village, then somebody might go, oh, this is worth looking into, <laughs> you know. Um, but there's nothing like that in there because we were all upstanding gentlemen. So um, there wasn't anything like that to deal with. Now, what there was to deal with was um, my opinions on on other people and some people's actions, which maybe don't stand up very well to scrutiny. This is a tough one because when you're writing a book, you want to tell the truth. And Sometimes that might hurt somebody's feelings and sometimes it might paint someone in a very bad light. It's a tough one because I know people are human, people make mistakes, right? And that goes for um, a private soldier and it goes for a colonel. So that being said, when I'm writing this book or when I wrote this book, I wanted to be as real and as accurate as I could to how we felt at the time. So when I was doing, so now if I say, 
oh, we should never have done X, Y, Z on tour. And I look at that with hindsight. I go, well, to be fair, the colonel maybe was trying to get done something with what they had and they didn't have this. That's how I kind of think about it now. How I felt at the time was, this person is a fucking cunt and I want him to die. Um, and I, I put that and I, I put that in the book because that is how we felt at the time. And this book is about being in Afghanistan. It's not, it's, you know, the, I have written in there that my opinions have changed, but that's at the back of the book. The book, it's, you know, most of the book is us in Afghanistan. And I wanted people to read what it was like to feel and think like us in Afghanistan. Um, but the problem with that is that, you know, you can be liable for slandering people or for, um, you know, like, it's not as, you think that if you just, it's your opinion, you'd think that you'd be able to just say what you fucking want, basically. That's what I thought. I thought it's free speech, you can say what you want. Uh -uh, no, not true. Um, I think you can get away with saying more in America, freedom. But you um, you can't really do it here. So there was a there was quite a bit of stuff that wanted to get cut out because my thing was so basically lawyers read over this book and then they got back with you know you need to change this you need to change that or you need to tone this down and one of my attitudes towards it which was kind of supported by editors is, is some sections if it meant toning it down we'd rather cut it completely than water it down. Um, and my editors were were awesome on this with me. Um, in trying to keep this as raw and as real as possible. Um, you know, some stuff we had to cut um, because it just wasn't worth the... the, the, the I, this. It was a trade-off of if we keep this, is it really that important to keep if we could fucking get dragged to court and, like, you know, have to spend all this money in court and the book maybe gets pulled from the shelves? Like, so, unfortunately, we did have to cut some of it. Um then, you know, like I mentioned earlier, change the names. So I changed the names in it so that, um, excuse me, I'm just burping. Change the names so that, um, you know, they, that wouldn't be an issue. So that was something covered. Merged a couple of characters, maybe changed someone. So someone that did one job, maybe we changed them to do another so that they weren't so easily identifiable. Um, then there's the political ground cover. I'm going to, and this isn't technically legal issues, but I'll cover political correctness on this as well. Now, if you're listening to the Veterans State of Mind podcast and you've made it to episode 14, you probably realize that political correctness is not um, high on my agenda. Now, what is high on my agenda is fairness and um, equality. Those things are. But when it comes to enforced political correctness, then that isn't something that I really agree with. Um, and again, what I'm writing here is a historic book because what took place in it took place 10 years ago this is history you know it's recent history but it's still history so when it came to using certain terms which some people might not find politically correct you know my pushback on that was the job we're doing is not politically correct there's nothing politically correct about shooting someone in the face right so i don't think that it's right to give people the idea that we were talking to each other in a politically correct way when we were going out and doing the most reviled thing on earth, which is taking people's lives, you know, that is that. Um, and again, editors were fucking great. Publisher was great. You know, they let me keep that stuff in. Um, will some people make a fuss about it? That remains to be seen. I hope not because I hope that they will understand that just because you say things and act things uh, and, and you just because you say and act rough around the edges doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have the best intentions. 
Um, and one thing that I've always said about the military is do we use racist terms to each other at times? You're absolutely right. The military uses racist terms towards each other. Those are racist terms. They are not racist feelings because in the, the same person that might call somebody uh, a racist term will give down, will lay down his life for that person, which is about, if you want to talk equality, I don't see what there's anything higher, any form of higher equality than dying for a brother, um, regardless of their race, religion, creed, um, and yes, sisters too, you know, so sex too. So yeah, political legal issues. Fucking hated going back for it. The lawyers, the 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 lawyers that I dealt with must have had patience of a saint because I probably wasn't the easiest person to work with on this because I pushed pushed back on everything. But we got there in the end, and um, hopefully I won't get sued. So we'll see. Right, orange drink. Oh, I'm going to the gym after this, hence why I'm stocking up on the caffeine. Okay. Do all best-selling military authors have incredible hair like you? No, they don't. But I'm special. And I'm looking to the camera right now, and I am realized I'm wearing a cap. So, <laughs> But rest assured, what lies beneath this cap is long, luscious locks. Um, why am I growing my hair? Why am I growing my hair? Why am I growing my hair? Because I thought, fuck it, why not? Um, everyone seems obsessed with the hair at the moment. We had Sean bringing this up last week. This question was sent in by Tom Marcus, actually who is a best-selling author himself. But you won't know what his hair's like because he's super secret. So maybe he has maybe he has long flowing hair. Maybe he doesn't. I have no idea. But you should check out his books. Right, next question. Have you ever considered the possibility of having one of your books made into a film or TV show? Uh, I think every author thinks about that, to be honest. And usually when they do, it's with huge dollar signs rotating in their eyes. Um, it can be big money, you know, to get something that you written turned into TV or film, you can get make a lot of money off the back of that. Um, you know, just being honest about it. Like I said, it's a fucking business at the end of the day. But um, would I love to do it from an artistic point of view? Yes and no. So the thing is about TV is you don't, like with a book, you actually have, as you know, you have to work with, in nonfiction, you have to work with lawyers, right? But in fiction, really, the only people you're really working with is, a, you know, a few few editors and, and maybe your agent. There's not that many people who get to have input onto what you do. So if you have a vision, if you have something that you want to execute, other than a person, you can, um, you know, you can basically make that book exactly how you want it, providing that it is a marketable idea and stuff. So if you want to write a big pile of shit and nobody's going to read it, well, you could still do it. You still, you, well, okay, yeah, actually, I'll retract that statement. You can do whatever you want. Doesn't mean anyone's going to buy it, but you can do it. When it comes to TV and film, it's a different story. Even if you are the writer and the creator of an idea, that doesn't actually mean that you're going to have much say over how it gets made. Um, you know, you're going to have the... So let, let's say a, let's say a studio bought your book idea and wanted to turn it into a TV show, right? So you agree to what... You know, you sell the idea to them, basically, so then they have the rights to kind of make changes to it. Depending on how powerful a writer you are, of course. Like, if you are J.K. Rowling, then obviously you have exceptional amounts of command and control um if you are garrett jones you would probably be told to shut the fuck up and sit in a corner and um you know you do that because they paid you like it said this is a fucking business um <clears throat> so you know the studio you've got your executives at the studio they all want to have their say you they're going to bring producers in the producers are going to want to have their say they might rewrite what you've done if you've already got a script it might like they want to rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it and then maybe the actors if you have a powerful actor they might have some ideas and it gets changed 
Now, none of this stuff is necessarily a bad thing because sometimes people work in a collaborative process and people will come in and make your project stronger. But on the other hand, you might have a hack at the studio who is, you know, just trying to justify his position there. So he'll give you notes, you know, because he feels like he has to because it's his job and he's never had a thing published or written in his life, but he can have ideas put into yours. So it's a difficult one. You know, that's it's a difficult one. Because on one on on the one hand, you could end up working with people who make your work incredibly um, amazing and take it to a level that you never could on your own. But on the other hand, you might see something that you loved and worked on for years torn apart into a way that you never wanted it to look. So you have to make that trade off. Um, that being said, I may have something in the works. Um, myself and my friend Nate Boyer, former Green Beret, former American football player. Oldest ever rookie in the NFL, all-round good guy. He looks like Captain America. He acts like Captain America. He is Nate Boyer. Um, yeah, me and Nate, we wrote something together, um, and we found one of those exceptional circumstances where we had uh, producers who didn't want to change it that much, and the changes that they have given us and suggested to us have all made it better. So it's a marriage made in heaven. I'm not going to name drop who's involved with it yet, but you will know them. I'll guarantee you that. Every one of you listening will know who it is involved with it. Um, I'm super excited about it. And again, just very fucking grateful with how things are turning out in life, you know. And um, yeah, let's go deep for a second. There was a time, last couple of years, I was thinking, what's the point? Is there any point being alive, being around after the military? Turns out that there is. Um, Got to make sure it happens for yourself. Surround yourself with the right people. For me, Nate is one of those people. Um, and we've... We've made a script that we think is fantastic and um, the reason we think it's fantastic is because we believe it can help people and we think that it will help people and the producers that we have involved are also of the same mindset and um, when a producer comes along who has made some of your favourite fucking movies, then it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking special. So have I considered the possibility of having one of my books made into a film or TV show? Fucking right I have. Absolutely, and it's going to fucking happen. So, look forward to showing that to you next year. Do you think you'd be a writer without your experiences in the army? Yes, I do. But I don't think I'd be as good a writer. Put it that way. Um, being in the army has obviously given me brothers in arms. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have brothers in arms as a book. Um, and I think that being in the army has... It made me... Hang on. i burp again. <coughs> This is why you tune in every week. Nobody else brings you uncensored burps like I do. Um, right, so me. I am from a middle-class middle class family. Smallish town. You know, that's kind, of my, that's kind of my experience up to the point of being in the army. There I meet people from different parts of the country. I meet people from different races. I meet people from really hard backgrounds. I meet people from really nice backgrounds, you know. So there's all those kind of personal experiences. Then there's the experiences of what's it like to fucking know that you're going to die? What's it like to lose a friend? What's it like to see a friend, you know, see a friend injured? What's it like to live with a group of young chimpanzees for six months, you know, go out and try and kill people together? You know, all those experiences. If you're writing about war, I think it kind of helps to have experienced it. It doesn't mean that you have to. Some people got great imaginations. And there's also a lot of, you know, if you read every war memoir that's ever been written, I'm sure you could come up with 
great stories off the back of it. Personally, um, I like to write about what I've experienced. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't do anything else. One, maybe one day I'll write a sci-fi book. Chances are I'm not going to get to go out into space to research it. Um, but, you know, I'll give it a good, give it a good stab. Um, but what I think will always be the strongest aspects of my writing is writing about things I've experienced. And that could be... Um, that could be spending time in Hollywood on the club scene, or that could be, um, you know, being at war with the boys. I don't think, obviously, I'm not trying to compare what I went through to what Roman soldiers went through, but I do think that there will be similarities. Um, I don't think eight soldiers living in the block would have been very different to eight British soldiers. Um, eight, sorry, I don't think eight Roman soldiers living in the block would be very different to eight British soldiers living in the block. Um, I think there would have been windmilling cocks 2,000 years ago, just like there will be 2,000 years from now. Um, to, I wonder what, yeah, because, okay, here's one. What's cock, cock windmilling in zero gravity going to be like when we have space, uh, space fucking space troops? Something to think about. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely helped with all that kind of stuff. All right, moving on. If you have writer's block, how do you get re-inspired? All right, I don't believe in writer's block. I think this is down to people being fucking um, self-indulgent. I think this is down to people being like, oh, the genius tap has turned off. No, you've just been lazy. You've just been fucking lazy. Be honest with yourself, right? Are you really, have you really got writer's block? Have someone poured cement into your ears? Has someone cut your hands off? No, I don't think so, have they? So this idea of writer's block is absolute bollocks. Writer's block is the same as just saying, like, you've done a couple of reps on the bench and you start to get tired. Your arms haven't fallen off on the bench, you're just tired and you want to quit. And it's the same with writer's block, you're just being fucking lazy. Right? So, how do you get re-inspired? Just don't be a fucking bitch. Don't be a bitch in the first place. Don't be a wimp. Right? Realise that there's no such thing as writer's block. If you realise that it doesn't exist, you're not going to fucking, air quote, get it. Okay? Because it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Right. Are you every day going to come up with solid gold? And are you going to write your best stuff every day? No. Can you write? All right. Is there something physically stopping you? Like I said, have you had your hands chopped off? Right. Have you had your hands chopped off? Have you had your eyes poked out? If those things, if those kind of things haven't happened, you can write, can't you? You've got your fucking hands. You've got your eyes. Right. So there's no excuse to not write. So there's no such thing as writer's block. It's not going to be your best stuff, maybe. Guess what? You go back and you go over it again. You just fucking go back over it. None of these fucking... No. No excuses. More energy drink. There you go. How'd you get over writer's block? Smash some energy drink. Or you could say to yourself, um, oh, I have writer's block. And... You know, what does that mean? Well, you know what? If you're getting writer's block, maybe you're not supposed to be a fucking writer. How about that? How about that one? You know, if you feel like you're getting writer's block, maybe you're just not supposed to write. I could say, I'm getting rapper's block. Rapping not, my, my rap is not going great today. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a fucking rapper. All right, so there's the harsh truth. Sorry, guys. I like to try and be positive and stuff, but sometimes things piss me off. And um, I just see people just find excuses to be lazy, basically. The writer's block thing is one of my biggest, biggest, biggest pet hates. I know you probably can't tell that from the way I'm getting wound up. But, um, yeah, it, it just winds me up because it's such a such a fucking bitch move, really. 
So, writer's block. How do you get past it? You just keep writing. Now, again, if this is, oh, I can't come up with any ideas, well, first bit of bad news is maybe if you could, maybe you're not supposed to be a writer. If you can't come up with ideas, you probably shouldn't be a writer. That's kind of like me saying, oh, I, I don't know how to pass the football. Uh, how am I going to get in the Premier League? Probably time to think of another uh, career choice at that point. I know I'm being harsh here, but I'm just... I just get fucking pissed off with this writer's block thing because it's just such bollocks. Um, you know, if, if like I said, if you're struggling to get ideas, maybe it's just not not the right job for you. Um, I don't want to be negative about anything, so let's think. Let's just let's just say that instead of getting re-inspired, let's change this question to how do I get inspired? So that could be going out for a walk, no headphones, no nothing like that, just walk, 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 think, think, think. And if you've got interesting stuff going on in your life and you're meeting interesting people and you've led an interesting life, I just don't see how you're not going to have ideas. They might not all be the best, but you think about them, you mull them over, maybe you come back to them in a few years' time. That's why one of the ideas I've got at the moment is something that's incorporating an idea that I came up with years ago, you know? Um, but yeah, how do you get over writer's block? Just don't be a bitch. How invaluable are editors to the writing process? Fucking invaluable. Um, Why are they invaluable? Because you don't know everything. And some people probably don't want to hear that. They probably think that everything that they write down is super genius and every word is special, but it's not. There's, um, There's always ways of making things better and it's your editor's job to come in and help you do that. So, um... There's different kinds of editors too. Like I think one of the things people get mixed up in is they think editors are just, um, they go through um, correcting your grammar and that kind of stuff. And there are editors that do that, but there's also editors that are like you more kind of like your big picture editors. So they're like, they, they can look at your manuscript and say, this character's good. Why aren't we seeing more of this character? He's one of the strongest characters. Let's get him in more. Or they could say something like, Uh, This part of the book felt like it started to drag. The pace wasn't there. What if we cut this section and this section? And, you know, the the book stops with you. It's still down to you to, um, you know, decide if if you want to go through with those changes. But what I would say to that is your editors are editors for a reason. They know what they're doing. They're skilled. They look at a lot of different books. They see a lot of different things. Um, Usually if they're saying something, it's because... It's because they they're not saying it to fuck you over, right? They're saying it because they're trying to make you work better. So it's one of those things where you've got to put your ego aside and go, oh, you know, you know, maybe they're right about that. Because the first reaction, I mean, to be honest, I've got quite good at it now. But when I first got, you know, reaction to something that you've written, the first reaction is quite. They just don't get it. No, that's just. I wanted it to be slow at this point. I I don't need to speed it. I don't need to speed up the tension here, or oh, sorry, ratchet up the tension here. This is exactly how I wanted it. But then that little voice in your head is like, did you really? Well, you know he's right. You want to change it, don't you? It's like, no, I don't want to change it. Oh, you want to change it. You know it's going to make it better. And then in the end, you were like, oh, fuck, he's right. And then you change it. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so much better. And then it makes you happy. Um, luckily, now I've been able to skip that point. And now I'm just at the point where I get criticism and I can look at it and just go, fuck, this is going to make it so much better. And it's actually really cool because one of the things I miss about being in the army is being in a team. Um, so if you've got good editors... Uh, good editors and this you know this extends through anything from an agent to your PR rep um, anyone that's you know anyone that's involved with a book project because book you know I'm looking again in the video I'm looking at the book beside me behind me here 
Um, I don't have a book printing facility in my house, believe it or not. So it is a team, like whether or not you think it is people, you know, it's, there's, there's no such thing as a solo, totally solo book effort. And people, oh, well, I could self-publish. All right, are you self-publishing on Amazon? Because I'm pretty sure you're not Jeff Bezos, right? So at some point, that it is a team effort. And so I say, embrace that. Love your editors. Get good editors. Don't be afraid. If you're self-publishing, you've got an editor you don't think is great, fucking sack them. Get another one. Um, right. How long does it take you to come up with a book? This is a um, how long is a piece of string answer. Um, like this morning, I think I just got whacked by a bit of inspiration. And it's one of those days where I've pretty much just seen the, like the new book just like unfold in front of my eyes. Um, it won't be as simple as that. I will go back to work on the idea because I'm, you know, I'm going to want to try and get the absolute best out of the idea. But if I wanted to, I could just start writing it this afternoon. Um, so that would be how long did it take up to come up with a book? About three hours. <laughs> but then there's other ones where it's, um, it's like an idea that you might have on and off for years. It might be literally years, just getting an idea on and off. Um, there is no short answer to, um, to, to this, sorry, or simple answer, should I say. It could be, it like, honestly, some days it's just a flash and you're like, fucking hell. One of the problems I have, to be honest, is prioritizing what to work on because I do get a lot of ideas. Um, very lucky in that way that just, well, I say it's luck, it's also train skill as well. Like, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trained skill to come up with ideas because it's like anything you have to, you know, you train your mind to think it. So if you, uh, if you're constantly blasting music or whatever in your ears and you're never really letting your mind think, then you're never going to come up with ideas really. You know, you need to be disciplined and be alone with your thoughts and you need to be happy to spend hours just thinking and, you know, getting in your head and thinking. And What if is your most powerful ally when it comes to coming up with an idea for a book? What if this? What if that? What if this? Well, what if this happened? Well, what if instead of that happening, then this happened? You've got to ask yourself that again and again and again. What if? You know, that is the that is a question that I like to use a lot. Um, I'm going to expand on this answer as well to just do how long does it take to write a book? Because again, this is, I just want to get across that there is no um, straight answer to this. Brothers in Arms, I started first writing it towards the end of 2014. And I would say I made the last changes to it at the beginning of 2019. So we're talking four and a half years um, for that book. I've done other books where I've come up with the idea in a couple of days. Um, I've come up with a book in a couple of days and I've um, smashed an outline in a week and then I've written a book in a month and then it's done. So we're talking 40 days. Um, so I've done something a little bit less. So again, but... It, but then you got to look at the you know the type of books. One of them is fiction, which is off the top of my head. The other stuff is you know if it's non-fiction, you know, so if it's real real life like the Afghanistan book, that's not going to be something that you're going to smash through in that amount of time. So if you guys, some of you will write a book in a month, some of you will write a book in five years. There's no right or wrong answer. It's whatever works for you. Would you ever be interested in war journalism? No. Uh, why wouldn't I be interested in war journalism? Because if I ever go back to war journal, uh, well, sorry. Start again. Why wouldn't I be interested? Because to be a good war journalist, you've got to get right in where it's fucking dangerous and things are blowing up and you could die. Um, I don't want to die. It's one reason. It's one reason I don't want to do it. Quite frankly, I like to be alive these days. Um, and if I was going to go in those positions, I'd want to be involved in the fighting. And you can't be a journalist and fighting that because then you won't be. You're not a proper journalist. 
Um, I see how hard people work on this war journalism. I'm, you know, I know a war journalist myself. His name is Marty Scovland. He's a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast. I think it was episode nine, I think. Um, so if, you, if, if you're interested in war journalism, check out the, the podcast I did with Marty Scovland. Works for Coffee or Die magazine. Shout out Coffee Die. Got my Black Rifle coffee cap on right now, actually, if you guys want to send me any free shit, just saying, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, so that's why, like, I think the balls that it takes for a war journalist, and by balls, balls I'm saying not literal balls because there are some fantastic female war journalists, war correspondents out there. They do an amazing job, and I think that they're born to it. I think it's a call-in for them, and... um I'm, I would never be anywhere near as good as they are or have the courage that they do or have the skill that they do. So I will leave that one to the professionals. Um, all right, someone asked me if I outline and like my kind of process for writing a book. Uh, we've got a few more minutes left, so let's go into this. So do I outline? Yes, I do. I do outline. I think that one of the most important things I've learned. So um, I, try and do, I try and write three books a year. And the reason I'm able to write three books a year is because I outline. And that basically means that instead of just starting the book and just going like, yeehaw, I'm fucking, I'm off to the races, I'm just going to write whatever comes to my mind. Like, if you do that and you are somebody like a Lee Child who gets paid millions of pounds for his books and has all year to do a book, then that's great because you've got the time and the money to be able to go forward and go, oh, you know what? The last 20 pages don't work. Delete, start again. If you're trying to get into writing, now, if you are, if you are a mother... If you are a mother and you have a full-time job, you got your kids at home, I don't think you're going to want to spend three months of writing just to realize that one of your plot, one of your like um, plot lines doesn't tie up and you need to delete it and go back and start again, right? So the reason I'm really strongly advocate uh, outlining is because if you outline, basically what you're doing is you're getting in all your main characters, you're getting in your story arcs, you know where you're starting, where you're going to end up and how you're going to get there. So in the outline, there's not going to be, you're not going to get halfway through writing and then go, oh, fuck, this doesn't make any sense. Bollocks, 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 bollocks. And you've just wasted six months. And let's be honest, what you're going to probably do at that point is one of two things. You're going to quit and not bother starting again. And I've had people fucking get in touch with me and say this. And I think that's a real shame. Or you're going to go, ah, fuck it. <laughs> and go. And then when you send it into publishers, they're going to go, this is a fucking giant hole in the middle of the story that doesn't make any sense. All right? So don't do that. Outline. You know, and then you can go as detailed as you want on this. Personally, my outlines are about 7,000 words, seven, 8,000 words, which is about just under 10% of what the book is usually. Okay? Maybe. So, you know, if, if it's a shorter book, it's a short outline. But I, I outline to about 10% of what the book is. And in there, I have in every chapter, I have an outline of what every chapter is going to look like. And this, the chapters might change. I might decide to slightly change the chapters around. But what doesn't change is the characters that come in and out of the book, um, the major plot points, the storylines. If I'm go, if I start writing and I feel that this isn't working, there's a better way to do it. I stop. I go back to the outline. I fix it at the outline, and then I go back to it. And that's how I'm able to turn out the books. So far, it's working well for me. Um, one day, I would like to be in a position where I do just go fuck it. I'm just start writing on the, no plan and just start writing and see where it takes me. But um, at the moment, I need to get fucking paid. And you get paid regularly. Um, you know, as I explained in Brothers in Arms, did a very good job of racking up a lot of debt. And I need to, and um, and I'm not in a position where I can spend all year writing something which I then realise doesn't make sense, and I go back to the beginning. Some people are good for them. So when you hear somebody say, 
oh, don't bother with an outline or whatever like that. That's great. And they they are turning out awesome work. But just remember, they've got all year full time to work on that and they're getting paid very fucking well to do it. You're not. So do your outline. Last question. What inspires you? If you could tell your, sorry, if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Um, okay, I left this question to last because the the um, the answer is not just what I would tell my younger writing self, but just my younger self in in general. Um, but this is very true for writing. So I have people message me on the gram and stuff like that, and they say. I'm 15 years old and I want to write about this, but I don't know what to write about. Look, the reason you don't know what to write about when you're 15 is because you haven't lived your life. Go out and live life first. So don't be, don't think about rushing into things, right? <coughs> don't think about you have to rush into <coughs> writing your first book. Now, what I do advocate is that you practice writing, okay? So this could be one page of this is how my day went. Or if you fancy a girl or a boy or... If you're that way inclined, if you've got one of those people who likes to put their willy into car exhaust, anything like that, write about a lovely car that you saw and you thought, oh, I'd like to put my willy in that exhaust. Write, write about anything, but write, get practice writing, writing and writing. Um, don't worry about books at that stage. Just fucking write something, right? Um, <clears throat> and read, 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 read. And not just your favourite authors and not just things that you're into. So... Um, you know, I read like a lot of war memoirs. I read a lot, a lot of war memoirs and things. But what I haven't read, started reading until the last couple of years is like, say something like Girl on the Train. It's a couple of years ago, I go, I'm not reading that. It's not my thing. Well, you know what? It might not be my thing, but it's the thing for millions and millions of other people. So read it. And you know what? It turned out to be a fucking really good book. Surprise, surprise. It was at the top of the charts for so long. Of course, it's a fucking good book. So read a lot of different things. Now, by all means, make most of you reading about things that interest you. But try and, you know, try and challenge yourself to do certain things that, that don't. Um, but for me, it's like, it's about immersing yourself in, in different experiences. So you go travel, travel as much as you can. If I, you know, if you haven't got the money to be traveling around the world to travel around the country or travel around your hometown, go to different parts in your town, uh, meet people. Um, you know, what's that whole thing of like, uh, you know, join the Marine Corps, travel the world, meet interesting people and kill them. Well, you don't have to necessarily kill the people you meet here. I mean, that's, if you want to write a war war memoir, then killing people is probably going to be advantageous. Otherwise, I would leave off from that unless you want to be one of these people that writes a book from prison. Um, travel, meet people, meet people that are different from you um, and listen to what they have to say. I'm not the best listener in the world trying to work on that. Uh, that's why that's why I lock myself in a podcast studio for an hour so I could just talk, talk, talk and not feel guilty about it. Um, volunteer things. So volunteer, go and do stuff that other people won't do, basically. Just get a load of fucking experience. What inspires me particularly now is... Um, Soldiers, telling the stories about soldiers, telling the stories about interesting people, um, sharing what I've learned because I'm always I'm trying to learn on a daily basis. So sharing that. Anyway, guys, we're out of time. That's gone very quickly. Well, as for me anyway, you lot. <laughs> Fuck Rose. <laughs> right. Sales pitch. Before we go to the camera, brothers in arms, if you could uh, pre-order it, that would mean a lot to me because pre-orders, um, pre-orders make a big difference because if we have pre-orders, then when the book comes out, got a good chance of getting into the charts we get into the charts um get more sales we get more sales a few things happen one my debt problems two <laughs> two um uh is we get to do more podcasting and uh, three um i you know joking aside there is i think an important message in this book and we get to spread it to 
um, more people. Plus, the cover looks awesome. So who doesn't want to see that every time they go into uh, Tesco? Um, other bookshops and some supermarkets are available. Um, so, yeah, guys, thank you so much. Um, if you want to pre-order it, you can go over to Amazon or, or anywhere like that. Um, but like I said, pre-orders really help. It's out on the 16th of May. Um, need a Father's Day present? What the fathers love? They love books about shooting bad guys. And then um, there's sex and drugs and rock and roll in there too. So basically, if you give it to your dad, um, give him a little privacy for when he's reading it because you never know what's going to happen. He might end up crying. He might end up crying through his one eye. Who knows? I think this is the time for me to say goodbye now. <laughs> it's It's got to that point. Right, I'm going to finish my energy drink. going to go do some squats. It's legs day. I don't want to do it, but it's just like writer's block. My legs haven't fallen out, so I haven't got an excuse not to do it. Thank you very much for listening to Veterans State of Mind, guys. Love you all, and catch you soon.